0: Book Two, Chapter Ten of the World's Desire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Annie Hill. The World's Desire by H. Rider Haggard, Chapter Ten. The Oath of the Wanderer. That night, the wanderer saw not Merriman but on the morrow she sent a messenger to him, bidding him to her feast that night. He had little heart to go, but a queen's courtesy is a command, and he went at sundown. Ray also went to the feast, and as he went, meeting the wanderer in the antechamber, he whispered to him that all things were made ready, that a good ship waited him in the harbor, the very ship, that he had captured from the Sidonians, and that he, Ray, would be with him by the pylon gate of the temple one hour before midnight. Presently, as he whispered, the doors were flung wide, and Miriam the queen passed in, followed by eunuchs and waiting-women. She was royally arrayed, her face was pale and cold, but her great eyes glowed in it. Lo, the wanderer bowed before her, she bent her head in answer then gave him her hand and he led her to the feast they sat there side by side but the queen spoke little and that little of pharaoh and the host of the apura from whom no tidings came when at length the feast was done meriamun bade the wanderer to her private chamber and thither he went for a while though sorely against his will But Ray came not in with them, and thus he was left alone with the queen, for she dismissed the waiting ladies. When they had gone, there was silence for a space, but ever the wanderer felt the eyes of Meriamun watching him, as though they would read his heart. "'I am weary,' she said at length. "'Tell me of the wanderings, Odysseus of Ithaca. Nay, tell me of the siege of Ilios, of the sinful Helen, who brought all these woes about.' ay and tell me how thou didst creep from the leaguers of the Achaeans, and wrapped in a beggar's weeds seek speech of this evil helen now justly slain of the angry gods justly slain is she indeed answered the crafty wanderer an ill thing it is truly that the lives of so many heroes should be lost because of the beauty of a faithless woman I had it in my own heart to slay her when I spoke with her in JOYTOWN, but the gods held my hand. Was it so indeed? said the queen, smiling darkly. Doubtless, if she yet lived and thou sawest her, thou wouldst slay her. Is it not so, Odysseus? She lives no more, O queen, he answered. Nay, she lives no more, Odysseus. Now tell me. Yesterday thou wentest up to the temple of the Hathor. Tell me what thou didst see in the temple. I saw a fair woman, or perchance an immortal goddess, stand upon the pylon brow, and as she stood and sang, those who looked were bereft of reason, and thereafter some tried to pass the ghosts who guarded the woman, and were slain of invisible swords. It was a strange sight to see. A strange sight, surely. But thou didst not lose thy craft, Odysseus, nor try to break through the ghosts nay miriam in my youth i looked upon the beauty of argive helen who was fairer than she who stood on the pylon power none who have looked upon the helen would seek to win the hathor but perchance those who have looked upon the hathor may seek to win the helen she answered slowly and he knew not what to say for he felt the power of her magic on him so for a while they spoke and Miriaman, knowing all, wondered much at the guile of the wanderer, but she showed no wonder in her face. At length he rose and, bowing before her, said that he must visit the guard that watched the palace gates. She looked upon him strangely and bade him go. Then he went, and right glad he was thus to be free of her. But when the curtains had swung behind him, Miriaman, the queen sprang to her feet, and a dreadful light of daring burned in her eyes. She clapped her hands, and bade those who came to her seek their rest, as she would also, for she was weary, and needed none to wait upon her. So the women went, leaving her alone, and she passed into her sleeping chamber. Now must the bride deck herself for the bridle, she said, and straightway, pausing not, drew forth the ancient evil from its hiding-place, and warmed it on her breast breathing the breath of life into its nostrils now as before it grew and wound itself about her and whispered in her ear bidding her clothe herself in bridal white and clasp the evil around her then think upon the beauty she had seen gather on the face of dead hataska in the temple of osiris and on the face of the bai and the face of the Ka. she did its command fearing nothing for her heart was alight with love and torn with jealous hate and little did she reck of the sorrows which her sin should bring forth so she bathed herself in perfumes shook out her shining hair and clad herself in white attire then she looked upon her beauty in the mirror of silver and cried in the bitterness of her heart to the evil that lay beside her like a snake asleep ah am i not fairy now to win him whom i love say thou evil must i indeed steal the beauty of another to win him whom i love this thou must do said the evil or lose him in helen's arms for though thou art fair yet is she beauty's self and her gentleness he loves and not thy pride choose choose swiftly for presently the wanderer goes forth to win the golden helen then she doubted no more but lifting the shining evil, held it to her. With a dreadful laugh it twined itself about her, and lo, it shrank to the shape of a girdling, double-headed snake of gold with eyes of ruby flame. And as it shrank, Miriam the queen thought on the beauty she had seen upon the face of the dead Hataska, on the face of the Bai and the face of the Ka, and all the while she watched her beauty in the mirror. And as she watched, behold her face grew as the face of death ashen and hollow then slowly burned into life again but all her loveliness was changed changed were her dark locks to locks of gold changed were her deep eyes to eyes of blue changed was the glory of her pride to the sweetness of the helen smile fairest among women had been her form now it was fairer yet and now NOW SHE WAS BEAUTY'S SELF, AND LIKED TO SWOON AT THE DREAM OF HER OWN LOVELINESS. SO, AH, SO MUST THE HATHOR SEEM, SHE SAID, AND, LO, HER VOICE RANG STRANGELY IN HER EARS, FOR THE VOICE, TOO, WAS CHANGED. IT WAS MORE SOFT THAN THE WHISPERING OF WIND-STIRRED reeds. IT WAS MORE SWEET THAN THE MURMURING OF BEES AT NOON. NOW SHE MUST GO FORTH. AND FEARFUL AT HER OWN LOVELINESS AND HEAVY WITH HER SIN, YET GLAD WITH A STRANGE JOY, SHE PASSES FROM HER CHAMBER AND GLIDES LIKE A STARBEAM THROUGH THE STILL HALLS OF HER PALACE. THE WHITE LIGHT OF THE MOON CREEPS INTO THEM AND FALLS UPON THE FACES OF THE DREADFUL GODS, ON THE AWFUL SMILE OF SPHINXES, AND THE PICTURES OF HER FOREFATHERS, KINGS AND QUEENS WHO LONG WERE DEAD and as she goes she seems to hear them whisper each to each of the dreadful sin that she has sinned and of the sorrow that shall be but she does not heed and never stays her foot for her heart is alight as with a flame and she will win the wanderer to her arms the wanderer sought through many lives found after many deaths now the wanderer is in his chamber waiting for the hour to set forth to find the golden helen his heart is a light and strange dreams of the past go before his eyes and strange visions of long love to be his heart burns like a lamp in the blackness and by that light he sees all the days of his life that have been and all the wars that he has won and all the seas that he has sailed and now he knows that these things are dreams indeed illusions of the sense for there is but one thing true in the life of men and that is love there is but one thing perfect the beauty which is love's robe there is but one thing which all men seek and are born to find at last the heart of the golden helen the world's desire that is peace and joy and rest he binds his armor on him for foes may lurk in darkness and takes the bow of eurytus and the gray bolts of death for perchance the fight is not yet done he must cleave his way to joy then he combs his locks and sets the golden helm upon them and praying to the gods who hear not he passes from his chamber now the chamber opened into a great hall of pillars as was his custom when he went alone by night the wanderer glanced warily down the dusky hall but he might see little because of the shadows nevertheless the moon poured into the centre of the hall from the celestries in the roof and lay there shining white as water beneath black banks of reeds again the wanderer glanced with keen quick eyes for there was a sense in his heart that he was no more alone in the hall though whether it were man or ghost or perchance one of the immortal gods who looked on him he might not tell now it seemed to him that he saw a shape of white moving far away in the shadow then he grasped the black bow and laid hand upon his quiver so that the shafts rattled now it would seem that the shape in the shadow heard the rattling of the shafts or perchance saw the moonlight gleam upon the wanderer's golden harness at the least it drew near till it came to the edge of the pool of light there it paused as a bather pauses ere she steps into the fountain the wanderer paused also wondering what the shape might be half was he minded to try it with an arrow from the bow but he held his hand and watched and as he watched the white shape glided into the space of moonlight and he saw that it was the form of a woman draped in white and that about her shone a gleaming girdle and in the girdle gems which sparkled like the eyes of a snake tall was the shape and lovely as a statue of aphrodite but who or what it was he might not tell for the head was bent and the face hidden a while the shape stood thus and as it stood the wanderer passed towards it marvelling much till he also stood in the pool of moonlight that shimmered on his golden mail then suddenly the shape lifted its face so that the light fell full on it and stretched out its arms towards him and lo the face was the face of the argive helen of her whom he went forth to seek he looked upon its beauty he looked upon the eyes of blue upon the golden hair upon the shining arms then slowly very slowly and in silence for he could find no words The wanderer drew near. She did not move nor speak. So still she stood that scarce she seemed to breathe, only the shining eyes of her snake girdle glittering like living things. Again he stopped fearfully, for he held that this was surely a mocking ghost which stood before him. But still she neither moved nor spoke. Then at length he found his tongue and spoke. Lady, he whispered, is it indeed thou is it argive helen whom i look upon or is it perchance a ghost sent by queen persephone from the house of hades to make a mock of me now the voice of helen answered him in sweet tones and lo did i not tell thee odysseus of ithaca did i not tell thee yesterday in the halls of hathor after thou hadst overcome the ghosts that to-night we should be wed wherefore then dost thou deem me of the number of the bodiless the wanderer hearkened the voice was the voice of helen the eyes were the eyes of helen and yet his heart feared guile so did argive helen tell me of a truce, lady but this she said that i should find her by the pylon of the temple and lead her thence to be my bride thither i go but now to seek her but if thou art helen how comest thou to these palace halls and where lady is that red star which should gleam upon thy breast that star which weeps out the blood of men no more doth the red dew fall from the star that was set upon my breast odysseus for now that thou hast won me men die no more for my beauty's sake gone is the star of war and see wisdom rings me round the symbol of the deathless snake that signifies love eternal thou dost ask how i came hither i who am immortal and a daughter of the gods seek not to know odysseus for where fate puts it in my mind to be there do the gods bear me wouldst thou then that i leave thee odysseus last of all things do i desire this he answered for now his wisdom went a wandering now he forgot the words of aphrodite warning him that the helen might be known by one thing only the red star on her breast whence falls the blood of men and he no more doubted but that she was the golden helen then she who wore the helen's shape stretched out her arms and smiled so sweetly that the wanderer knew nothing any more save that she drew him to her slowly she glided before him ever smiling and where she went he followed as men follow beauty in a dream she led him through halls and corridors, past the sculptured statues of the gods, past man headed sphinxes and pictures of long dead kings. And as she goes, once more it seems to her that she hears them whisper each to each the horror of her sin and the sorrow that shall be. But naught she heeds whoever leads him on, and naught he hears whoever follows after till at length though he knows it not they stand in the bedchamber of the queen by pharaoh's golden bed then once more she speaks odysseus of ithaca whom i have loved from the beginning and whom i shall love till all deaths are done before thee stands that loveliness which the gods predestined to thy arms now take thou thy bride but first lay thy hand upon this golden snake that rings me round the new bridal gift of the gods, and swear thy marriage oath, which may not be broken. Swear thus, Odysseus, I love thee, woman or immortal, and thee alone, and by whatever name thou art called, and whatever shape thou goest, to thee I will cleave, and to thee alone till the day of the passing of time. I will forgive thy sins, I will soothe thy sorrows i will suffer none to come betwixt thee and me this i swear to thee woman or immortal who dost stand before me i swear it to thee woman for now and for ever for here and hereafter in whatever shape thou goest on the earth by whatever name thou art known among men swear thou thus odysseus of ithaca laertes son or leave me and go thy ways great is the oath quoth the wanderer for though now he feared no guile yet his crafty heart liked it ill choose and choose swiftly she answered swear the oath or leave me and never see me more leave thee i will not and cannot if i would he said lady i swear and he laid his hand upon the snake that ringed her round and swore the dreadful oath yea he forgot the words of the goddess and the words of helen and he swore by the snake who should have sworn by the star by the immortal gods he swore it by the symbol of the snake and by the beauty of his bride and as he swore the eyes of the serpent sparkled and the eyes of her who wore the beauty of helen shone and faintly the black bow of Eurytus thrilled foreboding death and war but little the wanderer thought on guile or war or death for the kiss of her whom he deemed the golden helen was on his lips and he went up into the golden bed of meriamun chapter ten